Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, mic check. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we back. Back for another episode. It feels so good to be back. Yes, indeed. Let's go. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and here today Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see Say stick and sit a podcast. Let's go. Say stick and sit a podcast. Stay sick and sit a podcast. Everybody thinks we're Oh, but who would they judge us? Simply cause I Say stick and sit a podcast. Let's go. Say stick and sit a podcast. We back for another episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Safe to Consider Podcast. We back for another episode. The late great Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Yes, what's going on in the world today? Whew, man, it's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. We back for another episode. Taste to consider podcast. Yes, indeed. I went back and uh, listened to the last episode that I recorded. Um, lenses. And, yeah, every time I take a break <laughs> from uh, recording, I always feel off. I always feel off and I always mess up something. <laughs> I'm not in the groove of things because I'm a... Uh, as much as I'm a free spirit person, um, I'm definitely have routines, and re- recording this podcast is a routine for me. So if I'm if I'm take a week off or whatever, it's just it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right. I don't think it, the the <laughs> the recording the episode was good or anything like that. Like even last episode, I forgot to. Uh, say what cigars was smoking, what drink I was having. I was just all over the place. But when I went back and listened to the episode, the episode was good. And I got great feedback from it, too. So appreciate all the feedback that I got from it. Um, shout out to Dope Black Pods on Instagram for sharing that episode. Lenses, I appreciate them. Um, thank you for that. Appreciate everybody who... Uh, Responded to the episode, sent me feedback. Um, yeah, um, we back for another episode, man. And I was pre-gaming the stuff before the episode, as I usually do. And I came across a, a post on social media. This shit is crazy, man. Like, what, what world are we living in, man? Like. Um, Pop Smoke, the rapper Pop Smoke, his grave site. He's a uh, he was um he's in the ma his casket is in the mausoleum. So somebody vandalized his uh mausoleum space, cracked the uh I don't know what it is if it's stone or whatever. They cracked that joint open or whatever. And then they say they saw tire marks by his uh, plot on the mausoleum where they say that somebody was trying to pull his casket out of his mausoleum space. Like, bro, what world are we living in, man? Like, what the fuck is wrong with people, bro? I swear, I, I say this shit all the time. I swear I say this all the time, that we are living in a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, and people are out of control Everything is out of control. Seriously. I mean, everything. Man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with people? What is wrong with people, man? What is this world we living in? What is going on in people's minds? Seriously. This shit is crazy. But let me start off with what I'm smoking. Uh I tried to practice this uh, <laughs> for a while before I started the episode because the name of the cigar is kind of different. <laughs> it's, it's spelled Q-U-O-R-U-M. 
So I'm just going to say it's called. <laughs> I don't even want to say it because I'm, <laughs> I'm all mixed up now with. I done tried different pronunciations of this word for the cigar. So I ain't even going to try. I spelled it out for you. Um, it's by J.C. Newman Cigar Company. But yeah, it's spelled Q-U-O-R-U-M. And that's the cigar I'm smoking. <laughs> it's a good cigar. I got this you know, for like $2. Um, yeah, I got this from $2 from Total Wine. It's a good cigar. Uh, it's not strong at all. Got a good pull to it. It goes great with my drink. Um, tonight I'm drinking Hennessy. I felt like tonight is a Hennessy night. I even got on the Henny Things Possible shirt <laughs> with, to go with it. Yeah, so I'm drinking Hennessy. Take a sip. Yeah, so I'm back for another episode, man. Um, let's go ahead and get into it. Let me pull up my stuff. So let me start off with, um, you know, I talk about I talk about everything on this podcast, and that's what a taste to consider is all about. I give you a taste of everything, and that everything has to do with everything that I am into. You know, I'm a very analytical person. Um, I'm a researcher by nature. I'm just into everything. I read a lot. I research a lot of things. I'm into everything. So we are in the pre-shadow phase of the Mercury retrograde. Yes, Mercury retrograde is coming up, and we are now in the pre-shadow phase of Mercury retrograde. Mercury retrograde will officially start September 27th to October 18th. And I've talked about Mercury retrograde a lot on this podcast when it when it comes up. I talk about, you know, the things that it affects. It affects communication, travel, electronics. So be careful about the conversations that you're having during Mercury retrograde, even the pre-shadow phase and the post-shadow phase of Mercury retrograde because that energy still lingers around. So be careful about your communication during uh, Mercury retrograde arguments, certain important conversations, uh, contracts that you're signing and stuff like that. Be careful with that. Also, expect travel delays, expect some type of issues with electronics because that shit really happens during Mercury retrograde. (laughs) It really does. I've... I've had plenty of instance instances where I've had some issues around those things with Mercury retrograde. And I forget and I have to remind myself, damn, I shouldn't have been having this conversation. Well, damn, my TV just went out out of nowhere after just buying it. <laughs> this is Mercury retrograde. I should have bought that warranty when I first bought the TV. <laughs> Shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my uh my travel has been delayed, all that. Like this shit is real. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't believe in it, but the stuff is real. I mean, if God created it, the shit is real. That's just how I look at it. But, um, yeah, once Mercury goes into retrograde and 
on September 27th, there will be seven planets in retrograde. Right now, Pluto is in retrograde, Saturn is in retrograde, Jupiter, Neptune, Chiron, Uranus is in, the, in retrograde. And all of these retrogrades deal with something, you know. Um, Pluto retrograde is a um, time of inner transformation and release. Saturn retrograde is a time of analyzing and rethinking your beliefs. Jupiter retrograde is a time of internal growth and calm. Neptune is a time of clarity um, with no illusions. Chiron is a time of emotional healing, particularly like um, inner child stuff. Uh, Uranus is a time of interchange and independence. And as I stated, Mercury retrograde, what it deals with. But it also is a time to finish, you know, things that you've started. Um, uh, things will come back up that you didn't complete in your life. Certain lessons, certain projects, things like that. Certain people will come back up into your life. Um things that you need to rework, um, things that you didn't necessarily complete. So, yeah, shit is real. But, you know, I just wanted to point that out. Mercury retrograde is coming back up. <laughs> well, I'm going to play a clip that I played from last episode because I think it is so important and it's just crazy. And I talk about this all the time on the podcast. You will hear this phrase a lot. Um, excuse me. Uh, burp number one. 13 minutes in. Yeah. It's, you will hear this phrase a lot when I, t when I talk on the podcast about, you know, things just aligning. And I had the episode, I am not okay. And then it transitioned into lenses and then now into this episode. And all of this stuff is, is not my doing, you know, not purposely. You know, all this stuff is divinely guided. And I truly believe that, like, I am just an instrument to put this stuff out. And what I will be talking about on this episode deals with the last episode, Lenses, and also deals with the last episode, I Am Not Okay. So I'm going to play this clip again because I believe that it is very important to this episode and a lot of what's going on today. So here we go. I think mental health is extremely important. It's, it's, it's an issue that is now coming to the forefront. But in the past, it's been an issue that's been um, pushed down, neglected, either out of embarrassment or believing that you're the only one that is experiencing that. Um, but now it's coming to the forefront. And I think it's a great time to be able to address some of those issues and some of those challenges try to use those as a source of strength. At first, I think it's, it's getting over the, the, the stigma of it being something that is embarrassing or a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of weakness. I think that's step one. And then it's, it's opening up and sharing that experience with others. That's how you build a community of strength, right? By getting others to open up and share their journeys and share their stories, you wind up inspiring each other. And you know how that goes. I mean, once that inspiration goes back and forth, that energy feeds on itself, right? And I think the best thing that we can do is not ignore it. Ignoring it is the worst thing we can do because then it festers and it becomes something that has control over us versus the other way around. We rise, but we rise step by step. 
It's not one quantum leap, right? So you know, I see too many kids get so discouraged because they're expecting to make this quantum leap. And when that quantum leap doesn't come, it feels like it'll never come, right? But that's not how it works. It's step by step. One foot in front of the other, day by day, get better every single day. And then when you look back, then you look down and you realize the mountain that you just scaled, right? But you can't jump from the bottom of Everest and get to the top of Everest like that. It doesn't happen. You know, Superman is only in comics. <laughs> I think uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, mental health is a challenge that we need to accept, not ignore. Accept the challenge. If we accept any other challenge that's presented in front of us, mental health is no different. So let's face the challenge individually, but understand that we're facing that challenge collectively. Yes, indeed. That was the great, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Played that clip again because September is Suicide Prevention Month. And like I was saying, like, divinely guided. Like, last episode, Lenses, I talked about this, and I... Um, reflected on the last episode from there, which was I Am Not Okay, and everything that's been going on in the world. You know, we had um, a tremendous loss recently, and I'll go into that a little later, but all of this lines up, you know, mental health is important, and we don't focus enough on it. You know, a lot of our our decisions, our physical acts are made from our mental our mental and emotional intelligence and lack thereof. So, like I said, it's Suicide Prevention Month. Um, let me pull up that, that number again. I was supposed to have it ready, and I didn't, just like last episode. Um, the number, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Once again, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255, and it is available 24 hours a day. So, what are some of the warning signs of suicide? Let me go through this. I might repeat some of the, the signs, but that's cool. Talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves. Looking for a way to kill themselves, such as searching online or buying a gun. Talking about feeling hopeless or having no reasons to live. Talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain, talking about being a burden to others, increasing the use of alcohol or drugs, acting anxious or agitated, behaving recklessly, sleeping too little or too much, withdrawing or isolating themselves, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge displaying extreme mood swings, withdrawing from family and friends, giving away important possessions, saying goodbye to friends, family, putting affairs in order, such as making a will, 
extreme risky behaviors, i.e. reckless driving. Extreme mood swings, suddenly changing from very sad to very calm or happy. Talking about wanting to die or wanting to kill themselves. Talking about feeling empty, hopeless, or having no reason to live. Talking about feeling trapped or feeling that there are no solutions. Feeling unbearable emotional or physical pain. Talking about being a burden to others. Now, right here, um, what I'm going to read next is just some some uh, some other tips for people that you feel are having suicidal uh, moments or issues. It says, ask, are you thinking about killing yourself? It's not an easy question, but studies show that asking a loved one or colleague if they are suicidal does not increase suicide or suicidal thoughts. Reducing a loved one's access to highly lethal items or places is an important part of suicide prevention. While this is not always easy, asking if the at-risk person has a plan and removing or disabling the lethal means can make a difference. Listen carefully and learn what the individual is thinking and feeling. Research suggests acknowledging and talking about suicide may reduce rather than increase suicidal thoughts. And of course, I already spoke about the National Suicide Prevention Lifelines, 1-800-273-8255. And there is also a crisis text line number you can text silence to 741-741. Staying in touch after a crisis or after being discharged from care can make a difference. For example, studies have shown that the number of suicide deaths goes down when someone follows up with their loved ones. And I've talked about this plenty of times before um, on the past couple of episodes about checking in with people. Um, common misconceptions about suicide. Myth. Someone has their life together isn't at risk of suicide. Seemingly happy people are still at risk of suicide. On the outside, someone can appear to have it all. A great job, a healthy family, an active social life, a beautiful home. We look at them and think they're doing great. Life is wonderful. Our, our thoughts do not always match our actions. Myth. Suicide only affects individuals with a mental health condition. Many individuals with mental illness are not affected by suicidal thoughts. And not all people who attempt or die by suicide have a mental illness. Relationship problems and other life stresses are also associated with suicidal thoughts and attempts. Myth. People who die by suicide are selfish and take the easy way out. Typically, people do not die by suicide because they do not want to live. 
People die by suicide because they want to end their suffering. Thus, they are not thinking of themselves, but rather going through a severe mental health symptom due to either mental illness or a difficult life situation. And I think that's so important right there. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, like it says, people commit suicide and they don't necessarily have a diagnosed mental illness. You know, um, sometimes the suffering or whatever they're going through in that moment can be so unfamiliar to them that they may make that decision. Myth. People who talk about suicide won't go through with it. Almost everyone who attempts suicide has shown some warning signs. And I talked about this on the last episode. You know, we have to watch out for these signs. Like, it shouldn't be this emergency rush to people when they speak of themselves as not being okay or they're going through something, you know. Um, and that goes for both sides where, you know, um, they've been showing some signs, but it's up to the, their loved ones to kind of, like, pay attention, like, you know, and not to put all the onus on, you know, on the people to notice these things because, you know, that's where a lot of guilt comes from when these situations happen because, you know, that's that's why we have to educate people. That's why we have to have these 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 things, you know, the these posts on social media, my podcast and other things, you know, people have to start speaking up, you know. That's where the stigma comes in, you know. We have to start deadening the stigma, deadening the embarrassment and the the fear and all that other stuff and start speaking about these things, particularly in the black community. But back to it, it says, um, where was I? Uh, people who talk about suicide won't, myth, people who talk about suicide won't go through with it. Almost everyone who attempts suicide has shown warning signs. So don't ignore even indirect references to death or suicide. Statements like, you'll be sorry when I'm gone. I can't see any way out. No matter how casually or jokingly said, may indicate serious suicidal feelings. Myth. Giving someone a hotline number to call is enough. Suicide hotlines can be effective, but it's important to help them to take the next step. Rather than just giving them a phone number to assist with the follow through, and connect with a professional. The best thing to do is to ask how you can help. Myth. Talking about suicide will lead to and encourage suicide. Asking people if they are thinking about suicide does not give them the idea of suicide. Excuse me. On the contrary, talking about suicide reduces the stigma and allows individuals to seek help, rethink their options, and share their stories with others. Now, more specifically, um, for black men, 
11% of black men in 2020 recorded feeling like everything is an effort. Suicide rates are four times higher for black men than black women. Black men continue to underutilize mental health treatment. Suicide rates for black men are four times higher than that of black women. 7% of black men will develop depression during their lifetime. And the underutilization of mental health treatment is only prolonged by cultural barriers. The pressure to conform to a certain level of masculinity and the socio-political environments many black men live in every day. One way we can all start to shift the culture around mental health is by creating safe spaces for black men to talk about what they're experiencing in regards to their mental wellness. Yeah, it's real out here. Um, It's not talked about enough about how um, suicide with black men is so much higher than everybody else. Everybody else, not just black women. White men, white women, Asian men, Asian women. It is severely high when it comes to other communities severely high and the statistics are out are out there so we dealt with the statistics there's so much information out there um that website that I that I referenced on the last episode uh let me pull it up again um, where is it? Where is it? Um, where is it? Uh, SeizeTheAwkward.org. I referenced that website last episode, SeizeTheAwkward.org. It helps. It gives you tools and tips on how to bring up certain conversations when you notice signs of people, loved ones in your life that you know, may raise some concern. So that website, again, is seizedtheawkward.org. It's real out here, man. It's, it's, it's real. You know, we can't keep taking a blind eye to it. Um, I know everybody wants to, you know, everybody got their own stuff going on. You, you know, you got stuff that you got to deal with. But I think we fail to realize how connected we are as people. You know, uh, it's a lot of people out here that say that they're religious and they're spiritual or whatever. But part of that is being collective consciousness. You know, I ain't trying to get religified on y'all, but if you believe in God, then you have to understand that we are all part of God. And being a part of God is also being a part of each other. So we have to be a community when it comes to this, particularly in the black community. We have to, we just focus on too much silly shit. I mean, I understand everybody like to have a good time. I like to have a good time and and all that other stuff. But 
it's serious out here and the black community is has been in the same position for centuries despite the shit that you see on TV and music videos and movies and all that other stuff. We still in the same position, just in a different way. But, yeah, we had a de- we had a loss um, this week that just passed in the black community as well as in Hollywood, celebrity world, and stuff like that. Michael K. Williams. Michael K. Williams, um, great actor. If uh has some amazing roles, amazing roles. Um one of his most famous roles characters was Omar from The Wire. Um one of my favorite characters that he played. Also um Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire. And he was recently in um Damn, what's the hell to show on HBO? <laughs> uh Lovecraft Country, yeah. He played an amazing character in that. He was just an amazing actor. And I always was a fan of his for the simple fact that I'm a Tupac fan. And, you know, Tupac got to get brought up in some, somehow, some way <laughs> on the podcast. But Tupac gave him his first role in the movie Bullet. And so I've always been a fan of Michael K. Williams. And, you know, recently, uh, this past week, uh, he lost his life um, from what they're saying is from drug use. Uh, he had an overdose and he he has struggled with um, substance abuse for for a while, you know. Um, and this is something that is rampant in the world today. And it's definitely rampant in the, in the black community. I mean, it's, it's not sugar-coated, you know? Um, and it's just sad, you know, when I was hearing the report and all that other stuff, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, he died alone that way. He died alone that way, you know? And this just goes back to the episode Lenses and the episode I Am Not Okay. Like, we have to check in on our people, man, our loved ones. And it's not, what I'm about to say is not putting blame on anybody or nothing like that. It's just it's just what it is. It's just what it is. Like, you've seen so many people talking about, you know, um, how much they loved him, how much they cared for him, how great of a person he was or whatever. But he still died alone. He still died alone. And hearing a lot of stories from uh, people who knew him was saying how big of a heart he had and how much he will always give to so much people. But he didn't necessarily give that to himself. And that's the thing when it comes to a lot of people in in our community. You know, we, we do a lot for other people, um, whether it's for, you know, us trying to prove ourselves or trying to um show our worth or to receive love in return from giving and stuff like that man this it's just a tough situation and you know condolences to his family and all his friends and stuff like that because 
this this is a tragedy. Like, not just for selfish reasons of it looking like, you know, we're going to miss seeing him on TV and in movies and stuff. But this is like a greater lesson. And one thing that I... I was thinking about earlier is we don't look at the big picture of things, you know. We always focus on which we sh- we should be focused on the present moment, but we don't necessarily look at the bigger picture of things, you know. Um I can go on and on about this, but it's just it's sad that he died alone like this and and there was so many people coming out saying that they loved him and stuff and I'm just thinking like this is my thought pattern, and it's not about blaming anybody and, and nothing like that. But I'm just like, where where was all this love for him when he needed it? And and like I was saying on the last episode and stuff, this can go both ways. You know, if you're having difficulties and struggles and you're not feeling emotionally and mentally there or whatever, that you should feel that you can reach out to people and stuff like that. But we we don't feel that way because um as i stated like when i did the episode i'm not okay you don't want to look like you're a burden to people you don't want to seem like you're a wounded dog or you you don't feel necessarily there's a safe space for you and when you're always the giver you don't know how to be anything other than that so I was just thinking, like, you know, substance. We don't talk enough about substance abuse, and we only look at substance abuse as the foundation of something happening, as opposed to it starting from our mental and emotional capacity and what's going on there first that led up to the substance abuse, that led up to this this point in our lives where we feel like we needed something to to make us feel better or to take the pain away or to take that suffering away. I've talked about this plenty of times before about how um with my with not with my with social with dealing with social anxiety over the years, um, and in the past, like particularly in the past, in the past with my social anxiety, I would pretty much you might as well I might as well say it, it I was abusing substances which were alcohol, looking at it as though I need to get loose to loosen myself up, you know, by you know getting the buzz or getting drunk or whatever. So I wouldn't feel fear in these social settings or so I can, you know, be loose enough so I can make other people feel comfortable. So I wouldn't be looking so serious or stiff and stuff like that. And not even with me. I've seen plenty of people do it. Like I've already talked about how I'm an analyzer. I'm very analytical. So I've seen myself and my actions and other people that I that I'm around and I've been around too many times. So I know it's plenty of black men and black people, period, that have gone through the same things that I have gone through. And they're using substances and stuff to get through those moments. And that's just what I'm seeing. I don't even know what's happening when I'm not seeing them. So 
you know, the message is always we got to do a better job with checking in with with our with ourselves first and checking in with others. We have to. So I'm going to take a quick bathroom break. Y'all know how I do. And then I'm going to come back with a clip. <laughs> and I'm back. Let me pull up this clip. Um, this is Akon talking about Michael K. Williams' death. And he had some, he had a, an interesting take on um, Michael K. Williams' death. And just and just before I get into the clip, just thinking, the, um, and another thing I was thinking, I was, uh, you know, thinking about Suicide Prevention Month and just suicide in general and substance abuse and stuff. And I think this is just my outlook on how my mind was working through the whole thing. And I was just thinking, like, you know, we got to start looking at substance abuse as a form of suicide because we know that the dipping into substance abuse and these substances and stuff, there is a chance that we're not going to make it through that tunnel after we do whatever we do, whether it's smoking, sniffing, shooting, drinking, that these substances have a, a a dangerous risk with them, you know, and I'll go into that a little later, but let me pull up the clip. Sure. No, dude, the famous and the rich go through more issues than the poor. You know, when they say more money, more problems, that's a real thing. Yeah. You know, it's a real thing. So we got to check up on each other, man, make sure everybody's sound. You know, state of mind is intact, family's good, and we figure it out. Me personally, I would advise anyone who's on any kind of drugs of that nature, man, to just let it go. There's other ways to cope with issues and challenges in your life besides drugs and alcohol. And can I just ask, since you said that you, you've always been drug free, what do you do to famous and the rich or no, Yeah, that was Akon um, uh, talking about uh, Michael K. Williams and, you know, rich and poor and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people had issues with what he said. And I didn't necessarily take an issue with what he said. I understood what he said to a degree. Um, I could. I'm not rich or famous um, in the terms of, you know, money. But I can see where he's coming from. You know, um, things. Are, I can see things definitely be ample being amplified while you are rich and famous um, in terms of, you know, family and friends looking to you to take care of them and stuff like that. You having an extra burden on your back to take care of people and people, um, excuse me, looking to you to help them and to save them, so to speak, and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes down to it, we're all human, so we all have issues. Um, so I don't I can't necessarily say one way or the other that one is worse than the other. I think everybody has problems, everybody has struggles, everybody has difficulties, and you can't take away none of that from a person because you don't know how their mental is perceiving it, how, you know, how emotionally that is affecting them and physically that is affecting them. You know, 
we can sit here and say, well, you know, I got a house, I got a car. Yeah, my my material situation isn't as dire as a homeless person or a person who may not have a house or a car or stuff like that. But the mind is so strong. The mind is so strong that you just can't quantify how big a situation is for a person in their head. Our thoughts shape our reality. Our mental state shapes our physical reality. I mean, the times that I was depressed, that I was struggling with my depression and anxiety and stuff. I was in college. I had a car. I had a job and all that other stuff. You know, I was, you would think, you know, that's what people was thinking before they knew. They was thinking I was cool. You know, had um, women after me. I had a job, um, I was in school, I had a college degree, even when I was out of college, I had a house and stuff like that. But in my mind, I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it that way. Everything was just, I wasn't, I couldn't appreciate the material things because my mental just wasn't there. It wasn't. Being sad, Feeling like you're not loved, you don't have no worth. Looking in the mirror, people will say all day, oh, Derek is very attractive or whatever. But I saw myself as unattractive. I saw myself as not being good enough, <laughs> you know. And that's that's where the mind is very strong. And people just don't take that serious i mean they don't <laughs> and i talked about i don't know if it was the last episode or the episode before that but the times that i was in i was having panic attacks and i was in and i was in the hospital and people telling me oh just cheer up and all this other stuff i'm like that's the audacity you know you, you got a good life life is good and all this other you shouldn't be thinking that way that is <laughs> yeah, I wish I I wish I could have thought that way back then. I wish I could have. You know, I think a lot of times people think people who are dealing with depression and anxiety and stuff like that, that is just an easy, you know, come up. You know, I could just climb up out the out the hole and I'm good. It ain't that way because when you've been conditioned and programmed and indoctrinated in a certain mindset, that's where you are living. That's where you are living. I'm going to give y'all a homework assignment, man. Just if you've never seen The Matrix, even if you have seen The Matrix, just watch it again. Like a lot of people, a lot of quote unquote conspiracy theorists, people always talk about how, you know, The Matrix is really a documentary. And it's funny because the new Matrix um, trailer just came out. And it's a lot of and it's a lot of coincidences going on in this world. We have the 20th anniversary of of September of 9/11 and then we got this new vaccine mandate coming out. There's more coincidences going on in this world. And it and the funny thing is people people are so just off in la la land having a good time. They're not even seeing how 
we are being programmed and shaped according to how they want us to think. And then I've been having so many conversations and thoughts about free will, free will versus God's will. And, <laughs> and I don't see none of this as a coincidence. You know, I'm aligned in a different way than, than most people because I'm, I'm just not conformed. I'm not conformed to the world, so to speak. But where I'm at, um, and it was funny, yeah, thinking about uh, last week, uh, Labor Day, uh, I was over at my parents' house, and I was chilling with my dad and my uncle. And my dad, he was asking me about, you know, certain uh, guys that I, I, was, I was friends with. And he was asking me, you know, how they doing and stuff like that. And I was saying to him, I was like, I don't know, I ain't talked to, to some of them in a minute, you know. And... These are the people that he's that he was familiar with, people that, you know, I grew up with in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And he was saying to me, like, he was like, see, he was like, this is what I was telling you back in the day. He was like, you know, when you get older and stuff, you know, certain relationships, you know, fall off and stuff. And certain certain people separate from you or you separate from certain people. And, you know, people just don't people people just don't do the the quote unquote family thing no more you know and he was talking about cuz we was uh sitting there frying fish and stuff and he was talking about he was like he was like see you know we over here frying fish you know i invited people over and stuff like that but who you see over here nobody and that's just the goes back into the conversation about people checking in and stuff like that he was like the older you get you going to see that people just start separating People just don't care no more. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, damn, that's true. Because, you know, I'm about to turn 40 in November. At the end of November, I'm turning 40. And I'm just saying, people really don't care no more. People don't really want to get together no more. People don't want to hang out no more. People don't check in no more. Where are your loved ones at? <laughs> Let's go for family and friends. Where are they at? Where are they at? And you see here, you you see a lot of times you hear guys talk about bro this, bro that. That's my brother. That's my brother. Friends and all that other stuff. Um, women, ladies, it's, it's it's always different with women, you know. Women typically hang out. Well, I can't say that. I'm just looking from the outside, and so I can't. I'm not even gonna go that deep into speaking about that. But from my side, you just see like the actions don't line up with the talk, you know. And just period, like even just. If you even have a, a female friend or family member, anything like that, people don't even tell each, tell each other they love each other no more. And if they do, they say it, but then they don't show it, you know. People don't check on each other no more. People don't check on each other's kids. People struggling in silence, you know, people dying alone. 
we've had too many, I've talked about on this podcast too many times about 50-year-old black men dying in the past, this year, this year alone, too many black men dying in their 50s. In their 50s. I'm about to be 40 years old. So I'm 11. I'm 10 years and a couple of months removed from being 50. In my 50s. I can't. I couldn't imagine that. Couldn't imagine that. And black men are already susceptible from looking at it as they don't have anybody to go to. They don't have any safe spaces and stuff like that. And they're... Um, not doing anything constructive to deal with their feelings and stuff like that. So I'm just like, damn. Black men in bad health, eating bad, drinking too much, whatever other substance that they dealing with, hanging out alone. This is just too much. And it is discouraging because... I'm looking at the past couple, the past two episodes that I've done and how my life has been, period, how my life has been conditioned, period, uh, from being a kid all the way up to now that I've been conditioned to live my life this way. I am living the stories that I am talking about. I'm literally living the stories that I'm talking about. So it's not a thing of me just talking crap over this microphone, I'm actually living it. I'm a living representation of what a lot of black men have gone through and are going through to this day. It's sad. It is sad. I think another lesson that we can take from this, though, is that, you know, success doesn't equate to happiness. It doesn't. Success is only an is only evidence of accomplishments that we have um, had in our lives. Happiness is more speaks more to the peace that we have inside of us emotionally and mentally. But when we look at happiness as as um, being attached to something material or to another person, then we will never be satisfied. We will always be chasing. Chasing Our whole path and journey throughout life will be chasing happiness because we've attached it to something outside of us. And that's a... And when we're talking about substance, that's a substance within itself. When people dealing with them substances, alcohol, drugs, or whatever, and what I just talked about, materialistic things or people and stuff like that, you're, you're chasing gratification. You're, tra- you're chasing instant gratification. You're, tra- you're chasing satisfac- instant satisfaction. And you're chasing the high. You're chasing the high. A lot of people, and something that I've done a lot in my life, stuck in the, being stuck in the past because you're chasing that, that feeling that you got from a certain 
a moment, a certain person, a certain um, material thing or a certain or that alcohol or that drug. You know, you're chasing something. You keep trying to chase it and you're going to chase it into the moment that it fucks you up. And then this, you know, you done. It was a post on um, Instagram. Uh, who posted this? I think I don't know. I think it was uh, Lil Duval or Lunel, but I think both. I think Lunel posted, reposted what Lil Duval said. But he said, "Have a drink, smoke a self-rolled or dispensary rolled joint." Leave the effing scissor, molly, and cocaine alone. You might be next, and all you were trying to do was party. This shit is no joke at all. The dope dealers are killing people, but hey, you don't have to listen to me. And Lunel said, please, y'all, like, come on. Let's not keep playing Russian roulette with your life. It's not worth it. I know you kids don't want to listen to me, but do it for your mother, your kids, your family, yourself. Praying for y'all, and that speaks to the what I, I was talking about a couple of minutes ago when I was saying how you know, even with just you know something as simple as alcohol or weed, you know you ain't you ain't, you've never heard nobody die from weed. You haven't, <clears throat> and you know I understand people dibble and dabble in weed, smoking edibles, all that good stuff. You know I understand that. I understand people who have a drink and a, a taste and all that other stuff. That's fine. But when it comes to the point where you need it just to feel comfortable, just to take away the pain, or you you need it to function throughout your life in a certain area, then that's an issue. So we sh- that's something that we shouldn't be promoting, right? you know, promoting alcohol and weed as opposed to coke or heron <laughs> or you know fentanyl or whatever type of amphetamines that's out here if you need it to function it's it's an issue it's a deeper issue it's not just that issue of you going to rehab to get rid of that get rid of your drug or your alcohol habit it's a deeper issue emotionally and mentally it really is and like I said, it's it's outside of just the 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 alcohol and the drugs. There there's other things that people use for substances, sex, material things, and even people who are always staying busy. High fun there's there is a such thing as high functioning depression and anxiety. People who have to stay busy 24/7 so they don't have to sit down and deal with their problems. I talked about this when this whole pandemic started, that a lot of people were going to have to sit down and deal with shit that they never deal with. Why do you think that when we was shut down and dealing with this pandemic from the jump that all these divorces happened? Because people actually had to sit down and deal with their significant others and the shit that was going on. I understand everybody like to have a good time and stuff. I like to have a good time too. I like to party. My I was partying back in the day. 
I still like to have a good time and have my party moments. But I don't need it the same way that I used to. It's so much to the point now where, like, outside of that or whatever, some people can have this substance can be love. They, they're chasing love. They're chasing, you know, I talked about trying to get that substance being another person, chasing, chasing love, chasing love from, from people. It's always an outside stimulant that we're chasing instead of actually dealing with what's going on inside of us. People always got to be working. People always got to be, be out, never sitting in the house and stuff like that. Excuse me, I'm sorry. All that stuff is trauma responses. Fear-based distractions. These are distractions. We have to slow down. We have to slow down and actually see what's going on with ourselves and how the outside world is affecting us and how we are depending on the outside world to get us through it. <sighs> I know it's rough. I understand everything. So it's not an easy fix. Like Kobe said, it's not a quantum leap, but these are things that need to be addressed. And just thinking about, you know, the conversation I was having with my dad and uncle and stuff and, you know, the once you, you know, the more and more you get older and stuff and people separate and people don't check in no more, it ain't that you ain't hanging out no more, it ain't that love, that that feeling of love that you getting from people while you hanging out and conversing and stuff like that, it's not there no more. And then another thing I noticed that like my dad and my uncle and stuff I'll be around them every ch chance I, I I hear them talk about is something about death, somebody dying. You know, the older you get, you're going to hear more and more people dying. So then how do you think that affects them mentally and emotionally, you know? If they haven't like, really accepted it, you know? Feeling stressed, feeling concerned about when your time is coming, you sitting alone. You don't have you don't have any, you know anything to do. <laughs> so you going to distract yourself with things, you know. That's why we have to start coming together. This is a collective conscious consciousness that we are living in this world. Whether we got to start getting more in tune with God or something, you know. <laughs> I try my best not to get too religified on this uh, podcast. But um, make sure you check out Code of Shame, one of the podcasts on the U-A-N-D-U underscore network on Instagram. I forgot to shout them out in the beginning of the podcast, but make sure you follow U-A-N-D-U underscore network on Instagram. Check out Code Sheen podcast. And yeah, man, 
is 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 tough out here. I definitely understand. This is this. You know what I'm saying? We we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So as much as we like to relish in the human experience, you know, we can't be so so caught up into conforming to this human experience and conforming to what's going on in the world, which I mean is pretty much what's going on, but yeah. Um let's move along to the blackity black woke segment. And y'all know I got some stuff to talk about. But let's start here. Something that's not being reported in the mainstream media is that, you know, they had they've been had the vac a vaccine mandate in uh New York City. And what's not being talked about is there's been a lot of protests going on in New York City from both the right and the left wing of constituents in New York City. There's been a lot of protests going on about that vaccine mandate. It's not talked about at all on mainstream media. Something I came across um, that's more local to myself is some D.C. firefighters oppose vaccine mandate, fearing staff laws. And let me pull up that article so I can read just a little snippet from that. Uh, let me see where it is. Here we go. Unvaccinated D.C. healthcare workers could lose jobs, sparking staffing concerns for first responders. D.C.'s health department has ordered that all licensed healthcare workers in the district, including the city's Firefighters get at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine by September 30th or risk losing their license and possibly their jobs. Shit is crazy. The move follows an announcement last month that D.C. will require all healthcare workers to get a vaccine. At the time, officials did not say whether unvaccinated workers would be permitted to receive regular testing in lieu of a shot. This week, the city updated its vaccine mandate language to specify that failure to receive at least one dose of a vaccine before the end of September may result in disciplinary action against your license, including but not limited to suspension, revocation, or non-renewal of said license. And a lot of the, from reading the whole article, I'm not going to go through all that, but reading the whole article, a lot of the healthcare workers specifically the dc firefighters are pushing back on this because they don't want to get it they feel as though it should be their choice and then there a lot of people having concern about how that will affect the the city you know there won't be enough firefighters or uh first responders to get to some of these emergency calls and this is why this whole mandate shit is just the dumbest thing ever but, you know, a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people just looking at it. They A lot of people just being followers, honestly. They're being followers. They're already programmed to push what's being pushed out through the media and the government. But we'll get to that. Recording artist Victory Boyd refuses vaccine for religious reasons. NFL cancels her national anthem opening day performance. And we recently had that opening day game. Just this past Thursday, the uh, Cowboys and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, yep, she wasn't on there performing the national anthem. It's just another crazy shit. Um, NIH orders 
1.7 million study on how COVID-19 vaccine impacts menstrual cycle. And it's crazy that 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 study is coming out and this article is coming out because the quote-unquote conspiracy people on social media have been talking about this for a while. Many women who have gotten the vaccine have talked about how their menstrual cycle has been all jacked up since getting the vaccine. There's plenty of women that's talked about how they have lost, had miscarriages since getting the vaccine. So let me read a little bit from the article. It says the National, National Institutes of Health has announced a 1.67 million study to investigate reports that suggest the COVID-19 vaccine may come with an unexpected impact on reproductive health. It's been a little over six months since the three COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S., Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson became widely available to all adults. But even in the early days of vaccine rollout, some women were noticing irregular periods following their shots. Shit is crazy, man. Sean Clawson, 45, spoke to Washington Post women's news site at the time and again this week about her experience after getting the jab, revealing that her period arrived early and heavier than what she considers normal. She was one of many who gathered on social media to share what they were seeing. And a lot of this shit is being suppressed because they don't want people to stand up. They don't want people to sit and say, I'm not getting the vaccine. Quote, is this not being discussed or is it even being looked at or researched because it's a woman, a woman's issue? End quote. It would appear that the NIH heard Clawson and others reports as they announced on August 30th that they intended to embark on just such research aiming to incorporate up to half a million participants, including teens and transgender and non-binary people. And, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about some, you know, the, their reason for getting the shot is, and despite hearing, you know, other people's experiences and concerns and and other science out there is that, well, I haven't personally heard nobody dying from getting the vaccine or having issues with the vaccine, so I'm going to get it. Now, I say this every time. I'm fine with you getting the vaccine. You do whatever choice you feel you need to do. But allow other people to make the choice that they want to make. But my thing is don't dismiss people and their experiences after getting the vaccine and the, sh and the stuff that they've gone through. Because people are going through stuff. People are dying since they've getting, gotten the vaccine. I talked about it on the last episode of how they even trying to manipulate the data of saying that they don't count it as people dying from getting the vaccine if they've gotten it within 14 days, if they've gotten the vaccine within 14 days of their death. What kind of shit is that? I'm going to play this clip um, that I came across. <clears throat> pull it up. This is the West Virginia governor, Jim Justice. I'm going to play this clip. Uh, what's going on in West Virginia? But uh, West Virginia is seeing a 26% increase in positive cases of people that are fully vaccinated over the last eight weeks. We'll read that one more time. 
West Virginia is seeing a 26% increase in positive cases in people that are fully vaccinated and a 21% increase in breakthrough cases requiring hospitalization. Remember, I talked about a few episodes ago about that key word, breakthrough. They use these words to mask the truth. Breakthrough cases means that people that have been vaccinated are getting the virus. For people that are fully vaccinated. We have also seen a 25% increase in deaths of people that are fully vaccinated over the last. That's one in four. One in four people have died from getting the vaccine. Well, let me say since getting the vaccine. So y'all don't get it all out of hand. Eight weeks. Now that's not a 25% increase of, of the total numbers or whatever. It is a 25% increase of deaths of people that are fully vaccinated over the last eight weeks. <clears throat> World Health Organization chief urges a halt to COVID booster shots. And if you don't remember, I talked about how two FDA federal, the Food and Drug Administrative, Food Drug Administration scientists quit because they were being pressured to to push along the booster shots, but they didn't agree with the data that was being showed. So they quit. But let me pull up this article and read some stuff from it. And then another thing is these people saying, well, I know people who ain't died. Or I ain't know people who are getting sick and all this other stuff. That's fine. But we've seen plenty of times on TV where these commercials have come up from law offices talking about lawsuits for these drugs that were taken three, four, five years ago, and now they're having complications. This vaccine is going directly into your bloodstream. This is a COVID-19 SARS supposed to be a respiratory disease, but they're giving you a vaccine in your bloodstream. This doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. You don't have to be. Let me pull up this article. Um, where is that? Um, where is that? Um, damn, did I accidentally delete it? Um, uh, damn, I might have accidentally deleted that jump. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, moving along. World Health Organization's um, Dr. Tedros, quote, for now, we do not want to see widespread use of boosters for healthy people who are fully vaccinated. Why are they saying that? But why is the government pushing this? The The United States government has straight been bypassing what 
that World Health Organization has been saying lately, particularly when it comes to the booster shots. And why is that? Because of money. This shit is a money play. It's no coincidence that all this shit is going on around the same time that 9-11 is going on. Whether you're conspiracy theorists or not, if you, the shit is out there. It's like they're not hiding this. They're not hiding this because they know people are are too programmed and too weak to fight or to, (laughs) to question anything. All this shit is a money play. 9-11 9-11 was a money play. Just sacrificing all those lives for money. And they doing the same thing with this. Same thing. Um, and my whole thing is, you know what I'm saying, if you believe in the, like I've said, the, you getting the vaccine, that's your choice. I don't care. It's your choice. That's what it should all be about. We're supposed to live in America, the land of free, country of free, whatever the hell they want to say. So we should have our choices. You can, If you believe in the vaccine, get the vaccine. But you should still be fighting against vaccine mandates. Because this is just another step, another level of them trying to take away our freedoms. Same thing with 9-11. They took away a portion of our freedoms with 9-11 as far as spying and stuff on us. Being able to get deeper into, excuse me, phone conversations, all that other stuff. This, we're going down a slippery, slippery slope when it comes to them using this divide-and-conquer tactic of putting the unvaccinated against the vaccinated. Y'all president sat there and said on Thursday, talking about some, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. (laughs) Like, this this is no different from Nazi Germany. This is... Like, you can look this shit up. And the crazy thing about this is Hitler used, got his idea for his tactics from the United States of America. And and, and just all, just taking everything aside, if Trump was the president and he was doing this, people would be having a fucking fit. People would be having a fucking fit. Y'all own vice president, Miss Chucks and Pearls, said while Trump was still president that she is not going to get no vaccine that Trump is promoting. She said this. Man, y'all would be out there in pitchforks if Trump was still the president and he was trying to make a a vaccine mandate. Man, y'all got to wake up, bro. <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. We about to be walking around this junk, having to carry a card or an app in our phone to prove that we was injected by a drug to go into a grocery store to receive medical care and to have a, a quote-unquote free life. 
Man, this shit is crazy, bro. I swear, people worship fear more than they worship the most high. Moving along. Boys more at risk from Pfizer jab side effect than COVID, suggests study. And let me pull up that article. Healthy boys may be more likely to be admitted to hospital with a rare side effect of the Pfizer slash BioNTech COVID vaccine that causes inflammation of the heart than with COVID itself, U.S. researchers claim. Their analysis of medical data suggests that boys age 12 to 15 with no underlying medical conditions, no underlying medical conditions, are four to six times more likely to be diagnosed diagnosed with vaccine-related myocarditis than ending up in hospital. I probably fucked that word. (laughs) Than ending ending up (laughs) in hospital with COVID over a four-month period. Most children who experienced the rare side effect had symptoms within days of the second shot of Pfizer slash BioNTech vaccine, though a similar side effect is seen with the Moderna jab. About 86% of the boys affected required some hospital care, the author said. Shit is crazy. Oh, boy. All right. Well, let's get to y'all man Biden, who came out and is requiring all federal workers of the executive branch to be vaccinated, except the White House staff. Boy, man, this is tyranny right here, man. This is. This is some tyranny. And I just be like, I just, I'm going to say it again. The people who made the choice to get the vaccine, this still, this mandate still affects y'all because at some point in time, something is going to come up because it's giving them the power to do whatever they want. It's going to be something that you oppose next that they're going to have the power to mandate or get away with because y'all freely are following behind the government's words of going against people who are choosing their God-given right to not get something that they don't want. I got a clip for y'all. Let me pull that clip up. All right, here we go. Has said previously he did not want to mandate the vaccines. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it be mandatory. So, can you explain why his thinking on this has changed? I'm announcing tonight a new plan to require more Americans to be vaccinated to combat those blocking public health. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. It's like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my Y'all might even say masks shouldn't be mandatory. This was back in December. He said masks shouldn't be mandatory or the vaccine be mandatory. But his numbers and his polling start going down. So, you know, there's always deeper shit to it, but people don't want to see it. Because they out 
doing whatever they want to do, partying, and they get to travel now and stuff like that. Let me stop. Power as the president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing, and when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. The president has said previously he did not want to mandate the vaccine. So can you explain why his thinking on this has changed? Sure. Well, first, um, I know he said that back in December or January, uh, so eight, nine months ago. And uh, I've touched on a couple of the components that we feel have ch have changed a bit. Uh, one is that um, we didn't anticipate once the vaccine was readily, widely available and free to the public across the country, uh, anyone who wants a vaccine has been able to get one for months, that there would be such opposition uh, to it. Look at the word that she used, opposition. Why does it have to be opposition? It's our God-given right, our God-given choice, our supposedly American right to make a choice. But you see the word that she's using, opposition, because they're programming people, the vaccinated people, to believe that it's a war against unvaccinated people. Me not getting the vaccine ain't got nothing to do with opposing it or opposition. When they first start talking about a vaccine with this, in my heart, in my soul, my conviction said to me, I'm, I'm not getting the vaccine. I didn't feel right about it. I don't feel right about it. I still don't feel right about it. It ain't got nothing to do with being a... Uh, being an op as as you know as the new lingo is being an op you know i ain't trying to be a, a opposition to it i choose not to get it because i don't feel that i need it i already have strong immunity i have the immunity god gave me i don't have i'm not in fear of the covid 19 virus because I have my God-given conviction that I don't want to get the vaccine. And it's simple as that. Just as I made the choice every year not to get the flu vaccine and I've never had the flu. The only time I've had the flu is when I got the vaccine. And people always try to play this game where you got vaccines when you was a kid and all this other stuff. Yeah. I didn't have that choice. My parents chose that for me. But now I have the choice. And my choice is I don't want to get it. It ain't, it ain't about being difficult. It ain't about being um, opposition or fiery about it or being an asshole or anything. I don't want to get it. I choose not to get it. And that's my God-given choice. I believe in the most high. I believe in his protection. And I believe whenever it's my time, then it's my time. I don't want to get it.
especially given it was approved under uh, a, the former president, a Republican president. Um, you know, the second uh, piece of this is that we... Um you see how she tried to throw Trump into that. They try to they trying to use Trump now. <laughs> they they trying to use him as well as take shots. <laughs> Boy, man, people y'all people are some followers, bro. And people gotta get out of this. And that's why I talk about critical thinking. And the problem is, and I was thinking about this. So I was in the shower the other day. Like people don't people know what's right, but because of who's delivering the message. They're going to oppose it. People got such a problem with the messenger that they don't want to hear the message. Also uh, anticipated, or, or maybe we didn't anticipate, but we knew that a number of people were waiting for FDA approval uh, to get the vaccine. Uh, that they said that once it's approved by the FDA. And we're going to get to that FDA approval. Okay, that's what I'm really waiting for. Uh, there were more people who were vaccinated in August than July, but there are still 80 million people who are not vaccinated. Um, and the third piece is, again, the vulnerability of children of immunocompromised. The vulnerability of children, but y'all got all these kids in school, and every day there's a letter being sent to parents about somebody having the COVID-19 virus and kids being sent home. This is, this is countrywide. Countrywide, I've heard so many parents talk about how they've gotten letter in the mail about somebody getting COVID and their kids having to come home or they got to be on the lookout for a symptom or something. Bullshit. Critical thinking. Critical thinking. But people was just so in, in, entrenched in believing what somebody else tells them. People don't want to think for themselves. People just fine with other people thinking for them. And that's why we will always be dealing with some shit, particularly in the black community. Compromised <laughs> and other to the transmissible, to given the transmissibility of the Delta variant. We've always uh, been open to and uh, taking steps that we're going to save more lives, protect more people. And that's exactly what yesterday's announcement is a reflection. I'm asking you, please watch the sorry about that but yeah it's crazy because if you go look up the um the numbers for um if you go look up the numbers for the uh survival rates of unvaccinated versus vaccinated despite what they keep talking about in the mainstream media and stuff, natural immunity has a better effective rate than vaccinated people. This forgetting the virus, despite what they're telling you. This is what I'm talking about. People keep keep people keep speaking what they're hearing as opposed to doing research for themselves. People don't want to think for themselves, man. People, people's arguments is always something that they hear, as opposed to actually doing some, doing some type of research or reading for themselves. Where I'm at, um, where I'm at. Let me see.
Yeah. Y'all boy Fauci had to do, um, he was on, he had to testify on the Hill recently. And it was found out 900 page documents, document was uh, leaked and talked about how he was untruthful about the virus COVID-19 virus being um, created. It says, uh, Wuhan lab documents show Fauci untruthful about gain-of-function research. And let me read what gain-of-function means. Gain-of-function research is medical research that genetically alters an organism in a way that may enhance the biological functions of gene products. This may include an alter altered pathogenesis, transmissibility, or host range, i.e. the type of host that a microorganism can infect. So, basically, what's been going on is the COVID-19 virus was came from a bat, came from an animal. But the United States funded research, which is, which and the gain of the gain of um the gain of function research is actually illegal so what the gain of function research was is the covid-19 virus that we're dealing with now was came from an animal and the united states funded research of this virus and what they did was they tinkered with it for it to infect human beings. It wasn't infecting human beings at first, but the gain-of-function research allowed it to infect human beings. Dr. Anthony Fauci has been accused of crit by critics of lying after newly released documents appear to contradict his claims that the National Institute of Health did not fund gain-of-function research at China's Wuhan lab. Senator Rand Paul led the criticism against Fauci on Tuesday after the documents attained by The Intercept detailed grants given to EcoHealth Alliance, the nonprofit that funneled federal funds to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for bat coronavirus research. Included in the trove of documents is a previously unpublished grant proposal that EcoHealth Alliance, which is run by Peter Daszak, filed with Fauci's Nas National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. Fauci has repeatedly insisted that NIH funding of the Wuhan lab does not constitute as gain-of-function research. Surprise, surprise, Fauci lied again. This article is from the New York Post. And I was right about his agency funding novel coronavirus research at Wuhan. Senator Paul tweeted after the documents were made public. The grant proposal included in the documents was for a project titled Understanding the Risk of Bat Coronavirus Emergence which involved screening thousands of bat samples as well as people who worked with live animals for novel coronaviruses, the outlet said. The $3.1 grant was awarded for 
a five-year period between 2014 and 2019. After the funding was renewed in 2019, it was suspended by the Trump administration in April 2020. The grant directed $599,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for bat coronavirus research. The proposal acknowledged the risk of such research. I'm going to read that again. The proposal acknowledged the risk of such research, saying field work involves the highest risk of exposure to SARS or other COVs while working in caves with high bat density overhead and the potential for fecal dust to be inhaled. The documents also include a second grant titled Understanding Risk of Zoonotic Virus Emergence in Emergent Infectious Disease Hotspots of Southeast Asia, which was awarded in August of last year. Under the terms and conditions of that grant approval, there is a section noting that prior to, quote, further altering the mutated viruses, and that's what gain-of-function research is, they alter the viruses in order to infect humans. So back to the article, quote, further altering the mutant viruses, end quote, the NIAID needs to be given a detailed description of the proposed alterations and supporting evidence for the anticipated phenotypic characteristics of each virus. Bruh. All right, moving along. Uh, let me see where I'm at, because I might have to skip some of this shit. Um, all right, let me move through this quick, because I'm almost done. LAPD officers instructed to get social media info on every person they stop, report says. And this is what I'm talking about. As long as we keep allowing this shit to go, more and more of our freedoms and liberties will be taken away from us. LAPD officers instructed to get social media info on every person they stop, report says. <laughs> oh, man. Moving on. Facebook apologizes after, it, after its AI labels black men as primates. <laughs> Bruh, the world we live in. U.S. to give each incoming Afghan evacuee. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Let me start that again. U.S. to give each incoming Afghan evacuee up to $2,275 in aid. So, it says White House seeks more than $30 billion for disaster aid, Afghan refugees. $6.4 billion times 50,000 refugees equals 128000 a refugee. I think I got an article for this. Let me see. Yes, I do. Let me see. Oh, hold on. Let me let me let me go back because I forgot about this. The um it, it was an article I came across. It said two things mainstream media didn't tell you about FDA's approval of Pfizer vaccine. So we know we got the uh, FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine. But what is not being talked about is that the Pfizer vaccine that's being given out is not the Pfizer vaccine that the FDA has approved. So getting into this article, this article is from The Defender. 
It says Monday, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved a bi- biologics license application for the Pfizer Comirnaty com- vaccine. The press reported that vaccine mandates are now legal for military, healthcare workers, college students, and employees in many industries. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has now required the vaccine for all teachers and school staff. The Pentagon is proceeding with its mandate for all military service members. But there are several bizarre aspects to the FDA approval that will prove confusing to those not familiar with the pervasiveness of the FDA's regulatory capture or the depths of the agency's cynicism. First, the FDA acknowledges that while Pfizer has, quote, insufficient stocks, end quote, of the newly licensed Comirnaty vaccine available, there is, quote, a significant amount, end quote, of the Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccine. See what I'm saying? The Pfizer vaccine that people have been getting is Pfizer BioNTech COVID vaccine. That it that vaccine hasn't been approved by the FDA, along with the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Those vaccines are still produced under emergency use authorization. So this Pfizer Comirnaty vaccine, which they say has quote insufficient stocks. That's the one that's been approved, but that's not the one that they are giving out. So these mandates aren't legal according to the Nuremberg Code. According to the Nuremberg Code, and I'm not speaking from an article. This is speaking from the research and the reading that I've done. According to the Nuremberg Code, a mandate cannot be given given and forced upon U.S. citizens that are considered emergency, that are considered for emergency use. So if you decide that you got to go get the vaccine for to keep your employment, which you shouldn't do, but if you decide to do it, the first thing you need to do when you in that doctor's office, you need to ask them, what vaccine are you giving me? And I need to see the bottle. And if it's not the Comer Nazi vaccine, then you don't take it. Because the other three vaccines are not legal under that mandate. And I'm gonna leave it at that. You can do your you can do the rest of the research yourself. But getting back to the um, that Afghan stuff, it says White House seeks more than $30 billion for disaster aid Afghan refugees. The Biden administration is preparing to ask Congress to include over $30 billion for hurricane and wildfire relief and resettlement of Afghan refugees in the United States. In the short-term stopgap funding bill, appropriators are prepping to try to avert a partial government shutdown after September 30th. And this is how they sneak a lot of that shit in for other people, not the black community, but everybody else. We've seen the 
people over in Mexico. We got this. We got the Asian community. Everybody has gotten something except for the people who put Biden and Chuck some pearls into office. Moving along. Ex-prosecutor charged in Ahmad Arbery case booked at jail. <laughs> so let me read a little bit from this article. Um, the former prosecutor charged with misconduct for a handling of the odd Ahmad Arbery case was booked at a Georgia jail on Wednesday and released. Former Brunswick Judici Judicial Circuit District, former Brunswick Judicial Circuit District Attorney Jackie Johnson turned herself in Wednesday morning at the Glen County Jail. County Undersheriff Ron Corbett said, Jail records show she was released on her own recognizance, meaning she did not have to pay a cash bond. A grand jury indicted Johnson, 49, last week on a felony charge of violating her oath of office and a misdemeanor count of obstructing police. Johnson was the area's top prosecutor when three white men chased and fatally shot Arbery last year. The indictment alleges she used her position to discourage police from making arrests in the 25-year-old black man's killing. And this is where white supremacy comes in play. We can't trust none of these White people in these positions of office, police, judicial, government, presidential, vice presidential, none of them. We can't trust them because we've seen too many times where these people are white supremacists and they stay on code of white supremacy. That's been the end of the blackity black woke segment. I chose violence today, as I usually do. You know, I, I can't be me without, you know, doing that. You know what I'm saying? I can't say that I'm a, a, I'm a disciple of Malcolm X and stuff and I'm weak. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't be a Pac fan and I'm weak. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm prepared for battle, man. We have to be. Even the people, like just talking about the vaccine stuff, even people who have gotten vaccinated, you have to fight against this mandate shit because it affects you too. Because as soon as something else comes around, it's going to affect you. It is. People got to stop being weak and afraid. They have to. You can't say that you're a follower of um, Martin Luther King, Nation of Islam, Black Panthers, believing in your ancestors, bigging up back black excellence and all that other stuff, and you being afraid and going along with shit. I'm prepared. I'm prepared to be fired. I'm prepared for all of that. I, I'm just saying. But moving along to the movie and TV reviews, let's start with Vacation Friends. I forgot to mention this on the last episode, but Vacation Friends with... um. <laughs> This movie was funny as hell with uh, Lil Rail and um, <laughs> I'm just thinking about certain shit while, while I'm <laughs> thinking about it. Um, Lil Rail was in it. Um, dang, the the woman from uh, Insecure, her name, Eve, what's her, uh, damn, I forgot her name. Um Damn, what's the hell her name? Um, Yvonne Orgy and um, my man John Cena. 
Yeah, Yvonne Orgy, John Cena, Lil Rail. Man, that, that movie was funny as hell. It was a lot of people in it. Lynn Whitfield, Anna Horsford, um, shoot, uh, Robert Wisdom from The Wire and other stuff. Man, that movie was funny as hell. It's on Hulu, but, it, you know, if you got a fire stick, you can find it. That movie was funny as hell. I recommend it. If you want a good laugh, that shit was funny. Another movie uh, that I watched was Malignant. I watched that last night. It came out in the theaters and on HBO Max. That movie was awful. It was fucking terrible. It was supposed to be a scary movie, but that shit was awful. <laughs> I watched that show on um, Netflix, Clickbait, that everybody was talking about. And that joint was good. And, man, I swear, catfishing is serious. It's funny because I've been catfished twice. I've been catfished on social media and a dating site. Yes, a dating site and social media. People was using my pictures, my my uh, name, my likeness on social media and a dating site. Crazy. And that was that was just in this year, this year and last year. Shit is crazy, but yeah, I ain't gonna give no spoilers. But it's basically it's basically about catfishing. But I that's all I'm gonna give you. But it was a good good show, and it's crazy because it was only a it's only supposed to be a limited series, so I don't think they're gonna have a another season after this. But yeah, it was it was good. Another joke, another uh, thing that I watched recently uh, was the Rick James documentary. And it was on Showtime, but, you know, like I said, if you got a fire stick, you can find it. That Rick James documentary was good as hell. I love documentaries, man. I love seeing the origin of people, of their lives, and how they got started, and their musicianship and stuff like that. And it's funny because um, even after the documentary, I did a lot of uh, reading and research on Rick James. And, man, Rick James, like, as good as that documentary was... They left out. They left out a lot of stuff, man. Rick James was a wild boy, man. He lived that rock star life, and he's another guy that died in his fifties alone, man. Um, I got a clip. I'm gonna finish the uh the episode off with this clip. Um. And it just ties in. It just ties into everything. Well, not everything, but most of the stuff I've been talking about tonight in the past couple of episodes, Puri. And I just thought it was. I thought it was interesting, and it it opened my mind to some things and had me, you know, go back and reevaluate, um, or not reevaluate. Yeah, reevaluate to a degree and reflect mostly though on you know my life as a as a as a man as a black man and other men and black men. In, in my life. So I'm going to play the clip. I think mental health is extreme. Oh, that was the wrong clip. Sorry. There is Y'all know I'll be having them, them slip ups. But here we go. There's no such thing as an alpha male. I am so glad that you asked this question because it is such a teachable moment. The term alpha male was created by an author named David Meck, who wrote a book in the 1970s called The Wolf, The Ecology and Behavior of an Endangered Species. He studied wolves in captivity and noticed aggressive behavior from the males towards each other and the pack in an effort to dominate, and he called them alpha males. 
Years later, in 1999, the same author came back and debunked his own theory and in fact begged the publisher to stop creating and printing his original theory. How did he do that? He studied wolves in the wild. And in their natural state, they did not exude this aggressive behavior and need to dominate. So you see, most self-proclaimed alpha males are the most emotionally immature and aggressive because they are attempting to mimic behavior that only happens in captivity and not in their natural state. This is what we know as toxic masculinity. The alpha male does not exist. Woo, man, boy, 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 man. I heard that clip. I had to sit there. I had to sit with it for a minute. And I'm sitting there like, damn, that shit is true. And like I said, I had to go back. I had to reevaluate some things and do some reflections. And I am a man who has used the term to describe myself as an alpha male. And I'm sitting here like, and I've heard other men use it around me and stuff like that. What she said in this clip is absolutely true. And even like she talked about the author, this shit is true. Like most dudes who use the term alpha male to describe themselves are dudes that's like overly aggressive. And just, just speaking on myself in the times that I was dead set on using the term alpha male and stuff like that was the times that I was the, the most emotionally and mentally distraught struggle with my emotions and mental health I was always getting into some type of fight I was always being aggressive with other black male you know what I'm saying and then I then I had to look at it like what other black males that I've had a that's in my life that I've had aggression with back and forth that, you know, I've always had some head button aspect to it and then seeing and then knowing what I was going through mentally and emotionally and then knowing what they was going through mentally, and emotionally or seeing myself within them mentally and emotionally. It makes total fucking sense. The word alpha male is crazy. And then just the aspect of the of it being described about alpha males these wolves being in captivity and i'm sitting here thinking like yeah because i was a male in captivity of my mental and emotional health i didn't know how to express my emotions or i had no safe space to express my emotions mentally i didn't know what was going on with me or I couldn't express it. And then the other men, black men around me, the same thing. That's what toxic masculinity is. I've brought it up a few times in the past couple of ep episodes about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is something that I've been big on the past couple of years since I've been in therapy. And I've actually had to deal with my emotions as far as identifying them, processing them, and expressing them. 
now I don't feel the need to always um, say the things that's bothering me in terms of conflict. I can have much more, I got much more peace in my emotions. I can let th certain things go. But I still come into situations where I deal with men who aren't emotionally intelligent or still having their struggles where everything has to be about beef or, you know, um, if I got a problem with you, I need to get it out type stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It just Stuff just doesn't bother me the same or I don't need to get it out the, the same way. But this is this is crazy, and I think this is needs to be a bigger conversation. So I'm gonna have this, I'm gonna I might bring this up again on the next episode, but I think this needs to be a bigger conversation about this alpha male mentality and toxic masculinity. Because just in the terms of how they brought everything, how she brought everything up and the author did about the captivity aspect, and a lot of black men are in captivity emotionally and mentally, internally. Internally, we are in captivity because we don't have safe spaces to express ourselves. We don't know how to express ourselves processing-wise, and we don't know how to identify that shit. So a lot of us out here, granted, there's certain men who are just naturally leaders, and I'm naturally a leader. And there's some men that are followers in the, not in the negative term, but in the term of playing their role. Every man has, every emotionally and mentally intelligent man knows when to separate and when to identify the moments when they need to be a leader and a follower. But with this alpha male stuff, with this banging up against your chest and, you know, I'm this and I'm that, you can't do this to me and all this other stuff, when it comes to men and even women, that is toxic masculinity because they are in captivity internally with their mental and emotional health and i'm gonna end the podcast here this is a taste to consider podcast i'm your host Derek silver and we had another great fucking episode yes indeed check out a taste to consider podcast on instagram a taste to consider on instagram a taste to consider.com on on i was about to say on instagram a taste to consider.com online <laughs> for the merchandise i will be having some new merchandise coming up in the fall so look out for that Check out greatest.i.am.blog on Instagram. Greatest I am blog online. Greatestiamblog.com online. Um, yeah, man. I feel great. Uh, this was a great episode. Uh, you know, I always end it with a song. Check out UANDU underscore network on Instagram. All the podcasts on there. Uh Taste to Consider Podcast, Unprocessed Knowledge, Separate the Two, Code of Shame, Reservation for Two, Three Stars, Two Bars. Man, we out here working. Let's go. 
I'm about to end it with a song. Um, what's the song I'm about to end it with? Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, damn, I was supposed to have that ready. Where is that? See, I'm messing up. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, where is it at? Where is it at? Uh, here we go. In this podcast episode, episode 27 of season three, If My Homies Called Tupac, man. Each and every black man out there, I understand. I love you. Each and every black woman out there, I understand and I love you. We got to continue to come together and stop with this divide. I know I talk a lot um, from the man's point of view, but it's it's definitely not about a divide. It's about understanding, inspiring. I know some things will be triggering and stuff, but that's, you know, that's all a part of growth. But I'm on the side of black love. Black love equals black power. If my homie's called Tupac. It's a taste to consider podcast. Let's go. Gucci cool all through school, you and me, G. Back in the days, we played practical jokes, so everybody smoked with they lopes and they lopes, so all through high school, girls by the dozens, saying we cousins, knowing that we wasn't, but like the old saying goes, time goes on, and everybody grows. Grew up, had to pluck, went our own ways, you chose the dope game, my microphone pays, and many ways we were paid in the old days, far away from the crazies with eight kids, and though I've been around clowning with the underground, I'm still down with my homies from the hometown. When my homies call Say sick and sit up guys, let's go In fact, I travel the map with rap to spray cats But now I don't want to down my homie No matter how low you go, you're not lonely And I hear that you made a few enemies But when you need a friend, you can depend on me Call If you need my assistance, there'll be no resistance I'll be there in an instance Who am I to judge another brother? Only on this cover I'll be no different than the others A to the O to the M to the I to the E I'm down to the E N T Cause it's a fall in no time at all I'm down for y'all when my homies call, say sick and sit a podcast. Let's go. It's my homies call. Five with no health care, we both had dreams 
Say stick us to the podcast to be great. I'm giving it all it takes. Trying to shake the grapes and flakes and snakes. I gotta take my place are fall from grace. The boys late. The face is quick and great. Smiling face to hide the traits of hate. But my homie would never do me wrong. That's why I wrote the song. If you ever need me, it's all no matter who the foe, they must fall. Us against them all. I'm down the ball. My homie's cold. Say so sticking to the podcast. Let's go. Where my homies go. Say sick and sit up podcast. Let's go. If my homies cold, let's go. If my homies cold, say sticking to the podcast. We out.